Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Somerset, Kentucky. Please make sure to visit us online at phbcsomerset.com. This morning, we're going to start a new series entitled Treasure, God and Money. And in this series, we're going to examine the relationship between God and money. And it's important to realize that God is the one we should treasure and we need to learn to trust Him when it comes to the matters of money. Um, Heard a story where a man one time had a dream that he was talking to God. And in this conversation with God, he said, God, what surprises you most about people? And in the dream, supposedly, God said that people get bored with childhood. They rush to grow up and they long to be children again. And that they lose their health to get money. And then they lose their money to restore their health. He went on to say that by thinking anxiously about the future, they forget the present so much that they neither live in the present nor the future and that they live as if they'll never die, and they die as if they never lived. Well, that's certainly interesting to ponder. I like what A.W. Tozer said about money. A.W. Tozer said, money often comes between men and God. He says, someone has said that you can take two small dimes, and you can shut out the view of a panoramic landscape. Think about it. You could take two small coins, And if you bring them close enough to your eyes, you won't see anything else. One person said it doesn't take large quantities of money to come between us and God. Just a little placed in the wrong position will effectively obscure our view. And so that's why I want to talk about God and money. And the question I want to answer today, and it's the title of this message, is what really matters? What really matters? Turn, if you will, to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12. We're going to look at a parable that Jesus told about a rich man, and it's instructive for all of us, actually. There in Luke 12, beginning in verse 13, someone from the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. There's nothing wrong with that, I suppose. Someone dies there are heirs but then he says this friend he said to him who appointed me a judge or arbitrator over you and then he told him watch out and be on guard against all greed because one's life is not in the abundance of his possessions and then he told them this parable a rich man's land was very productive he thought to himself what should I do since I don't have anywhere to store my crops. I'll do this, he said. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And I'll store all my grain and my goods there. And then I'll say to myself, you have many goods stored up for many years. Take it easy. Eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life is demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? And then Jesus says, that's how it is with the one who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Now notice in this situation where someone comes to ask Jesus to tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me, that's a legitimate concern. 
And Jesus recuses himself by saying, who appointed me as an arbitrator to judge on what you should get? And reading the guy's heart, he says, you need to be careful. You need to watch out. He said there in verse 15, watch out and be on guard against all greed because one's life is not in the abundance of his possessions. That's what Jesus had to say about that. And when you think about the desire to acquire today, how we are blessed in this wonderful country, that we can acquire wealth, that we can create things and build things and make things and we can sell things and we can buy things. And if we're disciplined and work hard over a long period of time, we can you know, take care of ourselves not just now, but in the future. Jesus says to us, watch out. Be on guard, okay, against all greed. I was reading in my quiet time this morning where you know, it's not what goes into a man that makes him unclean. It's what comes, or it's not, it's what comes out of the heart that makes him unclean. In, in the same way here, it's not, it's not wrong to have money. It's when money has us. It's the love of money that leads us down the wrong path. And so he's saying, watch out against greed because one's life is not in the abundance of his possessions. I'm reminded of King Solomon, one of the wealthiest kings in the nation of Israel, one of the wisest men who ever lived. And in Ecclesiastes 5, here's what this king had to say about money and about wealth. In Ecclesiastes 5.13, he says, There is a sickening tragedy I have seen under the sun. Wealth kept by its owner to his harm. That wealth was lost in a bad venture, so when he fathered a son, he was empty-handed. And as he came from his mother's womb, so he will go again. Naked as he came, he will take nothing for his efforts that he can carry in his hands. This too is a sickening tragedy. Exactly as he comes, so he will go. And what does the one gain who struggles for the win? In other words, you can't take it with you. You came into this world with nothing, and guess what? You and I are going to leave this world with nothing, okay? You are not going to take it with you. And whether, whether uh, uh, some bad venture happens and the wealth disappears and dries up, or whether your life is demanded of you this very day, you and I, we cannot take it with us. I think what Jesus is really driving at is He's saying, look, I want you to watch out for the traps in life and be on guard against greed. Greed is so subtle. Why? Because it's insidious. It's an inside job. It starts in the heart. It starts with us saying, I want a little more, and I want a little more, and I want a little more, and then we don't know when to quit. Now notice what Jesus said about this rich fool. His life would be demanded of him, and then what he had that he had stored up to take it easy would now become somebody else's. And he says that's how it is with the one who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. What I want to talk to you about in the remaining of this message is simply this. I think you get the dangers of greed. I think you realize the point of what Jesus is saying. But what I don't think we uh, take the time to understand is that last part. And that is being rich toward God. I mean, let's be honest for a minute. How can you and I live our lives in such a way that we can be rich toward God? Regardless of, of how much money we, we make and how much money might be in the bank account, how do we live in such a way that we are rich toward God? What does that even look like? Well, I want you to turn for a moment 
to um, 1 Timothy chapter 6, and that's where we're going to look. And Paul uh, wrote a letter to a young pastor named Timothy, and there at the end of this first letter, 1 Timothy chapter 6, he gives instructions to this young pastor to give instructions to those in his congregation that are rich. Now, what is rich? I would say this, when you look at who that was intended to at the time, and when you look at our standard of living today, I mean, think about it. How did you get here today? You drove a vehicle, probably, or you rode with someone who did. Um, how, how do you communicate with somebody now? You got a little device in your pocket, and you can, you can dial it, and you can talk to somebody just like that. What I'm trying to say is our standard of living in this country compared to other people around the world, we don't realize how blessed we are. I believe we would fit the profile of what Paul is telling Timothy in 1 Timothy 6. In 1 Timothy 6, beginning in verse 17, he says, Instruct those who are rich in the present age not to be arrogant or to set their hope on the uncertainty of wealth, but on God who richly provides us with all things to enjoy. So how can you and I be rich towards God? Number one, refuse to be arrogant and set your hope in wealth. Again, Paul is telling Timothy in, in certain words that reminds me of Jesus' story about the parable of the rich fool who said, hmm, what am I going to do with all my stuff? I know I'm going to store it and then I'm going to sit back and take it easy. And Jesus said, you fool, you know, that stuff is going to go to somebody else and your life is demanded of you this very night. What good did it do you? And so we have to refuse to be arrogant. We have to refuse to put our hope in wealth. Um, I'm reminded of Paul talking to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 4, 7. He says, what makes you so superior? What do you have that you didn't receive? And if, in fact, you did receive it, why do you boast if, if, as if you hadn't received it? That, that, that sums it up right there. Paul was talking to a church that was full of pride, and he says, why do you feel like you're better than someone? Uh, what do you have that you didn't receive? You received it. And if you did receive it, why are you boasting as if you didn't? You know, think about it. God has blessed us, okay? He has given us certain things uh, in our lives to enjoy. And we can't boast about it. We can't become entitled. We can't say we deserve it. It's God's blessing. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8, 18. Um, Moses told the Israelites, he says, Remember that the Lord your God gives you the power to gain wealth. In order to confirm his covenant, he swore with your fathers, so, and it keeps on going. But he says, remember that it's the Lord your God that gives you power to gain wealth. If you think about it, here was Israel for, what, 400 years or so? They were slaves in Egypt, and then God, with a, an outstretched mighty hand, he delivers them from Egypt, and a long story short, they go through the wilderness and ultimately they end up in the promised land and God gave them a land that he promised for them to have and they inherited cities with nice buildings and they, you know, they went from being slaves to being civilized and they, they, they received this promised land and all the things that were in it and he's saying now, you're going to live here because I gave you this land but I want you to remember who gave it to you. And when you began to work and when you began to acquire wealth and, and have an, an honest living and, and you're blessed financially, I want you to remember who gave you the ability to do that. You see these athletes today 
And then every year, it's the same story. Some, some really good athlete is in high demand, and they throw millions and millions and millions of dollars at them, and they're the highest player in the league until two or three years later, and then it's the next guy that does the same thing. And each year, it's just one-upping the next one, right? But please understand, God is the one that gave them the ability to do what they do. He is the one that gives you and I the skills and the ability that we have to gain wealth. And so what I'm saying is, ultimately, we have to look up to God and say, thank you, God. Thank you for blessing me. Thank you for allowing me to do what I do. And Lord, I want to thank you for that. So refuse to be arrogant and refuse to set your hope in wealth. Number two, set your hope on, uh, on God and enjoy His provision. Go back and look at that verse in 17, 1, uh, 1 Timothy 6, 17. It says um, that we're not to put our hope on the uncertainty of wealth, but on God who richly provides us with all things to enjoy. I tell you what, when I... When I was 15, I couldn't wait to work, and I couldn't wait to get wheels. We didn't have cell phones back then, y'all. Some of the youth, we didn't, we didn't have cell phones. That, that hadn't happened yet. Internet, that hadn't happened yet. <gasps> yeah, I was born in 19-something. You'll get that in a minute, right? I was born in 1970-something, but we'll talk about that some other time. But uh, I can remember, you know, as a teenager, you know, I couldn't wait to get, you know, wheels to have keys man that was freedom i couldn't wait you know and then i gotta have a job you know to to pay for it and so i was motivated i've always been goal directed i had me a poster board i had it in my room you can ask mom she'll she'll vouch for this and i i determined how much money i needed to get a decent used car and i had me one of those you know how you kind of draw a thermometer with the levels and as you save money you're you're going, you're going all the way to the top and then you've reached your goal. Oh, I had it now, I tell you. And by the time I turned 16, within 10 days, 10 days, had a job, had wheels, I was good to go, you know. I felt like I had the world by the tail. And then the payment book. Oh, no, the payment book. You know, I had saved money, but, you know, I didn't want that humongous hoopty yellow Buick that just didn't style with a 16-year-old, so I got the green Oldsmobile with the vinyl top, Devin. Four-door. And so anyway, it cost me a little more, and so I had that payment book. And man, I couldn't stand, you know, the thought of, oh man, I've got to pay those payments. And then you go off to college, and then when I got out of college, I got what I really wanted. I worked hard, and I really wanted this shiny red Toyota Tacoma, and I got it. I got it. I was so excited. And then payment books. And I can remember going to see my granddad at the time. And I, he said, you look down, what is it, Corey? And I said, it's going to cost me five years to pay for that thing. He just looked at me and he smiled. He said, you know, if I was you, I'd enjoy it. I've never forgotten that conversation. I've never forgotten that conversation. And when I read this Bible verse here in 17, where it says, God richly provides us with all things to enjoy, you know, we got to keep work and wealth in perspective, don't we? I mean, we thank God for what He's given us. We thank God for the abilities He's given us to do what we do. And then we, we work hard and we, you know, we save and we spend and all those things. And sometimes you can kind of fret. You can, you can get worried. You can get caught up in, you know, oh my goodness, it's been, it's been tough lately. How am I going to pay the bills? What about this? 
And sometimes we need just to step back, take a deep breath, thank God for blessing us, and thank God that He's given us things to enjoy. You see, when it comes to work and wealth, you got to have worship. That is, worship God. That's the perspective part that keeps everything in balance. And when you do that, then you realize that everything has its place and you can set your hope on God and you can enjoy His provision. Paul the Apostle, he said it this way in Philippians 4.11. He says, I don't say this out of need, but I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know how to make do with little and I know how to make do with a lot in any and all circumstances. I've learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need, I am able to do all things through Him who strengthens me. Paul says, one day I'm eating steak, next day I'm eating ramen noodles, and some days maybe I'm not eating anything at all. But you know what? I've learned the secret. I trust God. I depend on God. I thank God. And I know that He's the one that gives me strength. doesn't matter how favorable the situation is. I'm going to trust Him and I'm going to depend on Him. Jesus said in Matthew 6, don't worry, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. God knows you need clothes on your back, and He knows you need food in your belly and something to wash it down with. He knows you need those basic necessities, okay? But what does He say to you and I? He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things, you know, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear, they'll be provided for you. Again, if we just get caught up in work and wealth and we miss worship, we're not going to have the proper perspective on things. And that's why God says, I know you need those things, but you need to look to me. You need to be reminded of who I am. You need to realize that I love you and I have blessed you and I've given you the ability to do what you do and I've given you the ability to acquire the wealth you have. And if you'll look to me, if you'll honor me with that, if you'll trust me with that, if you'll worship me, the giver, rather than the gifts, then you'll realize that I can meet every need you have. And that is so true. How do we be rich toward God? Well, we need to refuse to be arrogant and put our hope in wealth because it's so uncertain. We need to set our hope on God who we can enjoy the things He provides us with. And number three, be generous and willing to share. Look in 1 Timothy 6.18. He continues, instruct them to do what is good. To be rich in good works to be generous and willing to share, storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of what is truly life. Now I like that. Now that gets into the motive for giving. And let me just say, if you give in order to get, you've missed the point, okay? Sometimes, uh, as a pastor, let me say this, just to... This, this is just an aside. When I was younger, I was scared to death to talk about money. I was like, oh, great. You know, one of these days I'm going to be preaching a, a sermon from God's Word and somebody's going to walk in for the first time in years and go, 
there he is. He's preaching about money. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. I'm not going to do that. And for, for a long time, I'm like, I'm not going to talk about money. But then I would turn on the TV or I'd listen to the radio and I'd listen to other preachers talk about money. And I heard enough of them say certain things that I'm like, that's enough. I got to say something. Because I would hear these health and wealth and prosperity preachers and they would talk about, you know, you need to do this and you need to do that and yada, yada. And their motivation for getting you to give was you've got to give in order to get. And I don't agree with that. I don't like that. Here's what I see when I read Scripture. You and I give because we've been given. Does that make sense? We give because we've been given. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only begotten Son. And He has given it all for us. Matter of fact, the Bible says in Corinthians that He became poor that we might become rich. So the point is this. Why do you and I give? We give because we've been given. And we don't give out of guilt. We give out of gratitude. Okay, We give because, God, look at how generous you are. Look at how gracious you are. Look at what you've done for me. And I want to give back. It'll never be enough. Okay, It'll never be enough. We can never settle this score. We can never balance this ledger. I'll never get extra points for doing this. But I'm giving back because you've given me so much. And that's what you call grace giving. But here he says to be rich in good works, to be generous, to be willing to share, storing up treasure for yourselves, that's just a benefit. And Jesus or the Lord is our model because Romans 8 says He didn't spare His own Son but offered Him up for us all. How will He not also uh, with Him grant us everything? In other words, if you want to know how this works, look at God. Look at how gracious He is. Look at how generous He is. And when He treats us that way, how can we not do the same to Him and to others? And that's the whole, whole point. Paul said in Acts 20 35, as he was meeting with the elders from Ephesus. He says, In every way I've shown you that it's necessary to help the weak by laboring like this and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus because he said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Paul is saying, The Lord taught me something. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And that is so true. When you learn the graciousness and the generosity behind giving and you give back because you've been given so much, it's a blessing to give rather than receive. It's kind of like when you become a parent. You know, when you're a kid, you love Christmas time, right? You're like, oh man, I've got another present. And then they bring out a big one and you're like, oh man, look at that. And then when you grow up, you're like, man, I'll never get to do that again. And then you become a parent. And then you get to see their faces when you give them a present. And it's a whole nother level. And that's kind of the way giving is. Hebrews says, don't neglect to do what is good and to share, for God is pleased with such sacrifices. In other words, God is pleased when you and I learn to give. Winston Churchill, of all people, said this, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. And I would have to concur, that is so true. How can you and I be rich towards God, refuse to be arrogant, and set our hope in wealth, set our hope on God and enjoy His provision, be generous and willing to share, and the last thing, focus on what has eternal value. Focus on what has eternal value. Jesus said it well in Matthew 6, 19, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth 
where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. You know, you and I, when we learn to give back to God, when we learn to be generous and share with others, when we learn that God has not given us all this stuff so that we can store it and hoard it, but to, to be a channel to where by His prompting we can at different times and in different ways bless other people and be a channel of His grace and generosity, then we will find that we are storing up treasures in heaven that can't be destroyed, can't be taken away from us. Proverbs 11.4 says, Wealth is not profitable on a day of wrath, but righteousness rescues from judgment. You know, at the, at the end of the day, if you can't take it with you, what are you holding on to it for? Because when you meet God, when there's a judgment day, you can't go, man, I made some stupid decisions in life. I wasn't the best person. But hang on, Jesus. I got deep pockets. Hang on. How much will it cost me? That ain't going to work. It won't fly. Doesn't, doesn't work that way. And so what can we do? Well, the choice is yours. He says there in 1 Timothy 6, he says that we can store up treasure for ourselves as a good foundation for the coming age so that we may take hold of what is truly life. Now notice there in 17, he said that people put their hope in the uncertainty of wealth. And yet he's telling us that we can have a good foundation for the coming age. And that's really where the rubber meets the road. That's where the fork in the road is. The choice is yours. When it comes to work and wealth, are you going to gamble your life with the hope that in the end you'll still be standing and everything will be all right? Wealth is so uncertain. Just talk to financial people. What about the stock market? How do you like it now? How are you going to like it six months from now? What about inflation? I mean, things just go up and they go down, but there's one thing I've learned. Money does talk. And you know what it says? Goodbye. Don't believe me? Just watch. It does. It says goodbye. And so we have to realize that wealth is uncertain, but the Lord is telling us through His Word that it's possible for you and I to lay up treasure in heaven. It is possible for you and I to have a good foundation for the coming age and it's possible for you and I to stop trying to make a living and truly take hold of life. And you know what? That starts with Jesus. It really does. So today I want to ask you this question. Where are you in your walk with God? You know, we work and we accumulate wealth, but the missing piece is worship. When we recognize we have a Creator that created heaven and earth and us too, when we recognize that He is the one that's given us the ability to do what we do and acquire wealth, when we realize that one of these days He will call you and I to account and we will stand before Him, and regardless of how deep our pocket is, that won't mount to a hill of beans. What will matter is, did you ever come to me? Did you ever turn from your life of sin and trust and follow me? 
Did you receive the greatest gift of all? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And He who knew, knew no sin and knew no shame, He became poor and took all the penalties that you and I deserve, including death, that we might become rich, that we might be forgiven, that we might receive grace and generosity from God and become His child and live with Him in heaven and all the benefits that go with it. Have you ever made that decision? It's the most important decision you'll ever make. And can I tell you something? <laughs> From the time I was 16 years old to now, there's been decisions, purchase decisions I made. Man, some of them, I, man, that was a great deal. And then there were some buyer's remorse. You know what I'm talking about? But here's what I want to tell you. When you come to Jesus Christ, I want you to realize that He paid it all. And not only did He pay it all, usually when you talk to Christians, you will find out, they'll say, I wish I'd done this sooner. I wish I'd done this sooner. Because when you give your life to God, you ultimately will have no regrets. And you won't have anything to be ashamed of either. Let that sink in for a minute. Here in a moment, we're going to have an invitation and I'm just going to invite you right now where you are to come, to respond to God. And I want you to think about what He did on that cross. I want you to think about all that He's given in order to save you and to make you His child. And then say, oh Lord, how did I miss this? And balance work and wealth with worship. I want you to look to Him today and depend on Him. And if you never took that first step toward Jesus today, maybe God's calling you to do that. I want you to stand as our musicians and ushers come. I'm going to pray. And I want to encourage you that if you're ready to take your next step with God, you know, fill out this card. Give us your name and let us know where you are on that. And I would love, I'll get that personally, I would love to have a conversation with you and encourage you as you take your next steps in following the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we come before you right now. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this time. Lord, thank you, Father, that we get to come and worship you. And Lord, we, we've sung about your grace. Lord, we've heard your word. And Lord, now you're calling us to respond. And so, Father, I pray right now, God, that you'd speak to each and every heart. And Father, I pray right now that we would look at the cross, that we would see how awesome and gracious and generous you are, God. And Father, in light of what you've done for us, Lord, we simply want to respond and say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Father, speak to every heart and have your will and way in this service and in this invitation. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. To learn more about the church, find out meeting times, or learn how to contact the pastor, please visit phbcsummerset.com.